Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. Good to be here. And, you know, it feels like home every time I come here. So uh, praise God for that. And uh, a lot of familiar faces um, here with Monique and the kids, all the kids except Hannah, in case you're wondering, like, where's Hannah? Where's, didn't they have five? Yeah, we still have five. I, I was sharing with uh, somebody, you know, once they turn 19 and they have their own car, it turns into, honey, are you going with us this morning? No, I have plans. I'm going so-and-so. I'm going so-and-so's church, or I'm going here. I said, okay, all right, all right. We'll see you later. But praise God for the uh, family that's here, my brother that's here. Uh, he was here with me before. He came to visit us uh, last Christmas, bro. came to visit us for two weeks. <clears throat> Do the math. Here we are, following Christmas, and he's still with us. Amen. Praise God. But he's been a blessing to us. He cooks. He cleans. He fixes cars. It's beautiful. I want us to think about, and, and no doubt you're thinking about it in your own way, 2019. The whole New Year resolution thing, I don't do, you know, I just, what's the point, right? Uh, but, but I do want to challenge you in your thinking this morning as we come to 2019 that uh, you would perhaps not make a New Year resolution because that kind of indicates what you want to do next year. But you make a life resolution. A life resolution, not a New Year's resolution. Because then at the end of that year, you can say, I've, I've done it, and I'm good. But that, that you would make a life resolution for your life. Now, what I'm about to suggest, I know, is countercultural. I know this is going to go against everything that our culture says, that our culture deems is important, that our social media is constantly putting in our faces. I know this is going to be countercultural, but you know what? God's Word is countercultural. I want to challenge us for 2019 to say, I am going to make a life resolution, and here's what it's going to be. Christ first. Christ first. You say, well, how's that, how's that counter-cultural? Well, because the world says that your life is primarily about you. What do you have to do to be happy? What brings joy to your life? What brings comfort to your life? What are the goals that you want to set up in your life so that you feel better about yourself? This is the way our culture deems life. And sadly, a lot of times as Christians, we fall into this mindset. I've been counseling for over 20 years now, and I think I've shared with you guys a number of times the one thing that most people say to me when they come into the office, Pastor Ron, 
I know I have this going on, and I know Christ died for my sins, and I know my eternity is secure in him, but I just want to be fill in the blank. Happy. And usually what that means is, I understand the sovereignty of God and everything that God's doing, and, but can a brother catch a break? When am I going to get a little bit of mine? I had a sister tell me one time, just why can't God rain down a little bit of blessings on me? After all, I've been serving him. Ah, here we go with the list. I've been on the choir for how many years? I've been on short-term missionary trips. You name it. You name it. See, a lot of times as believers, we don't believe in works when it comes to our salvation. We understand grace alone. But then we have a bunch of works that we do, and we feel entitled to God's blessing. I don't know which one's worse. Receiving God's grace and then thinking God owes you something or thinking that you got to do something to get God's grace. Life resolution. Christ first. See, what that means is no matter what happens in my life, no matter what happens in my circumstances, no matter what happens in my relationships, Christ first. Which means that I am going to conduct my way, my life in such a way where Christ is preeminent, where Christ is seen, where Christ is exalted. Wait a minute, that, that may mean that you get the short end of the stick. Yes, didn't Christ? This is a mindset that I see among God's people that we don't cherish or hold on to or make our goal in life. Listen, do I want to be happy? I want to be happy. Of course I want to be happy. I want to retire. I want to take Monique and go somewhere warm at some point and sit on a rocking chair and just talk about, remember when? Remember when? Honey, could you pass me my teeth so I could bite into this applesauce? I would love to do all of that. Be debt-free. All the kids are grown and moved out. Grandkids are coming over for Thanksgiving, and they bring in the dinner. Right? I got all these things in my mind I would love to have happen. But it's not about me. And those things, whether they happen or not, should not dictate my passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there is one mission that Christ left us with, to make disciples. To make disciples. Not, Ron, that you might be comfortable now that you know me and you have your eternal security in place because of God's grace, it's not now about you and this life and what you want. How many times did we fall into that trap? I want to challenge us to make a life resolution, Christ first. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 and see what does that look like. See, Paul's writing these believers... And he's trying to tell these believers, listen, there, there needs to be an intentionality in your thinking when it comes to making Christ first. What's going on in this church? People are bringing in heresy. They're saying, that, yeah, Christ died on a cross for you, but there's some other things you need to do. So asceticism starts setting in. In other words, denying yourself pleasure. Right? Just self-denial and trying to work in your way into the inner circle of God. The worshiping of angels kind of crept into this church. And Paul is writing them saying, no, Christ is sufficient. 
when it comes to your salvation, Christ has secured that. He's the preeminent one. He is God in the flesh. He is the one who sustains all things. You don't need to add this other stuff into your life. Now, maybe you and I aren't struggling with that. Maybe you and I aren't struggling with trying to add works to your salvation. But maybe what you and I struggle with in 2018 are distractions in our life. Maybe you and I are struggling with personal goals, personal ambitions that are snuffing out having passion for Christ. Listen, nothing wrong with personal goals. Nothing wrong with trying to expand your, your resume, if you will. Nothing wrong with that. But that has to come in subjection to Christ being first. So as we look at Colossians, I just want to challenge you with that little phrase, Christ first, Christ first. Father, thank you for the word of God. And God, we pray now that your word would cut us as only it can do. Challenge our thinking, God. Lord, there are so many distractions in our world today. Help us to clearly see your heartbeat through your word now. This is our prayer in Christ's name, amen. Join with me, Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Paul had not started this church. Epaphras started this church. This is very interesting. Even though Paul did not start the church, had never been to the church, look at what he says next. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you since we heard, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Never been there, didn't plant the church, yet word got out. And again, you, you got to put yourself during this time, there's no internet, there's no Twitter, there's no FaceTime, there's none of that. And yet their testimony made way to Paul. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. In other words, he's rejoicing in the fact that you received the gospel, your faith is spreading all around and beyond Colossae. And it's all because of Christ. Because of your receiving of the gospel. He says, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. So, so what is he saying? Just, and he's just in the greeting here. He's not even getting into the meat of what he wants to talk about. But he's saying the gospel has changed your lives to the point where I hear about that change. Not only has it changed your life, but you are constantly bearing fruit. Let me talk about this for a minute. Oftentimes when we talk about bearing fruit... A lot of times I hear that spoken of in terms of winning people to Christ. And yes, there are times where the Bible uses it in that type of, of, of analogy. But here, I believe what the Apostle Paul was talking about, 
the fruit that is being born in your personal life as you live your life out in light of who Christ is. What's in your life? In other words, you are looking more like Christ. And it's becoming evident because of the fruit that your life is showing. It echoes the fruit of the Spirit. If I were to say right now, how many of you in here who know the Lord Jesus Christ really love Jesus? If you really love Jesus, say amen. Okay? How many of you guys know you love Jesus by the way you live? Wow. See, it makes you stop and think, right? Oh. I can say I love Jesus with all of my heart. Just like I can say I love my wife with all of my heart. But then why didn't you just do that little menial task that she asked you to do? Well, I was tired. Well, okay, but you love her, right? Well, yeah, I know, but see, talk is cheap. These believers, they understood the gospel, the grace that was given to them, and as a result, it produced a way of living in their lives. And it ought to do the same in our lives. So he goes on. Look at what he says. He is faithful. That is Epaphras. He's a minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Now, here's the part I want to focus on. Listen at how the Apostle Paul prays for these people. And this is where I want us to say, you know what? God, I want that. Because the prayer that he prays for these believers, if this becomes what you desire, by doing these things, you can say, Christ first. That's going to be my life resolution. Look at what he prays. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Look what Paul is praying. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Folks, you will never make Christ first if you are not growing and understanding his word. Amen? Simple truth. Nothing profound here. Very simple. When people come into the office and they have an issue, the first thing I say is, what's going on? And then they talk for 40 minutes. You kind of let that go for the first session, you know. But then I'll say this, what have you done about it? And then they'll tell me. And then I'll say this, what has Christ commanded that you do about it? And I get a blank look. There is no way Christ can be first in my life if I am not being filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. That only comes from God's word, not YouTube. All you YouTubers are looking down. Nothing against YouTube, but that's not where you get spiritual wisdom. You can say, well, actually, Ron, I do listen to a pastor. You know what I mean. Think about the distractions in our life. I have them in my life. This stupid phone is ringing all the time and buzzing and dinging and donging. And it's like, man, ding. So-and-so just posted a new recipe on Facebook. I don't care. And then the Holy Spirit says, so then why are you allowing the alerts to come through? We have so many distractions, and here, here, here's my fear for us as believers. 
We are spiritual babies, and we ought not to be. It's kind of like when Paul said in Romans, by now you ought to be teachers of the word, and you still need baby food. You cannot fill yourself with spiritual wisdom and understanding if you're not in the word. And in order to be in the word, watch this. Here's the secret. Ready? Might want to write this down. It takes time. It takes time. Now listen, there's a difference between reading the word and studying the word. I, I hear people say all the time, you know, it really doesn't matter as long as you're putting a little bit of word in you. No, it does matter. I used to believe that too 20 years ago. But I realized, no, it does matter. There's a reason that God said, God said, study to show yourself approved. Why didn't he say read to show yourself approved? Study takes work, man, to really analyze and think about this and pray over this and maybe perhaps even look up some of these words that you're not too sure what they mean. That's like schoolwork. I don't have time for that. Then you will not grow spiritually. I'm convinced that there are so many believers that have been walking with Christ or they know Christ 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, but are spiritual babies. Because our diet of the word has been just like everything else in our culture now. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Oh, Pastor Ron, did you hear this new app? No. You can read, you, you, you can read through scripture like five minutes a morning. And it takes you through. Now, look, praise God if you do that kind of stuff, right? Thank God. It's something. It's not sufficient. I'm sorry. It's not. Listen, guys, think about the thing that you do well. Think about something that you do well in your career or maybe a talent that you have. How much time do you spend on it? How much time do you spend on it? I remember when I had aspirations to be a jazz saxophonist, everybody was out on the corner doing their thing. I'm inside my bedroom practicing my saxophone, listening to Charlie Parker, Stan Getz. Anybody hear these people? All right, okay. All right. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, Brian, you know, right? And I want to, why? Two, three, four, five hours on a Saturday, I want to be a jazz saxophonist. Am I that passionate about I want to have spiritual wisdom? Am I that passionate about I want to be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding? I don't want to be telling people my opinion. My opinion doesn't mean anything. I want to give people what God says. But I can't give you what God says if I don't spend time studying what God says. Listen, if Christ is going to be your life resolution, you got to look at your life and say, there's some things i got to readjust. I got I to gotta put some of this stuff out of my life so I can make time to be filled with God's spiritual wisdom. I'm convinced that most people's problem with God is they don't know God. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about Christians. When they struggle with why and I don't understand and I'm just not growing in my faith, it's because you don't know your Savior. You know about the cross. You know about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And you know by grace I've been saved. And you know Ephesians 2. And you know John 3.16. But you don't really know him. You can only know a person that you spend quality time with. So guys, if, if we're going to put Christ first, if that's going to be our life resolution, 
Paul says, I'm praying that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, look, this is so important. In verse 10, he tells us why. It's not for the sake of, of academia, just so you can quote verses. Verse 10, he tells us the purpose. So as to walk or live in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. Listen, I don't care what man thinks about me. That is one of the most liberating things for me. Especially growing up the way I grew up with racism and being called all kinds of things and Oreo cookie and zebra and half-baked and all that kind of stuff. If you haven't figured it out now, I'm, I'm mixed, right? Some of you are like, what? what are you talking about? What do you mean? What does that mean? <laughs> growing up with a mother who's Pennsylvania Dutch and a father who's African-American. You tell me God don't have a sense of humor. For these two to raise us in the inner city. Oh, man, we can tell you stories of racism. Watch this. And I got it on both sides. My dear white cousins and aunts and uncles had a problem with us. Well, so did my dear cousins and uncles and aunts on my dad's side had a problem with us. So we were like misfits, like the Christmas misfit toy story. You ever see that? Toys with one eye and one arm broken. Like, who wants that? So you got to understand, for me, when I came to understand that Christ died for me, and that the skin color means nothing. Man's opinion of you does not matter. It's what your creator says. Man, that was so liberating to me. So liberating to me. That's why I say the whole problem with racism, we could end it. It's real simple. It's called the cross. Period. But that's another symposium. You can start, John. All right? But the point is this. Do you really feel this? Do you, brother and sister, do you believe verse 10? Is this your desire? To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, not yourself, not yourself, fully pleasing to him. We sang the song this morning, your grace is enough. I want to ask you another question. Is it? Is it really enough? We sing it. Your grace is enough, right? That, that's all I need. Yeah, is it? Are you looking for something else? If I could just get that promotion, if I could just get, if I could just get, if I could just get, then I would be content in my life. Then I would feel my life has purpose and meaning. Then you're not doing what he says here. I want to live my life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. How will I know if I'm doing that? He further explains, because I will be doing what? Bearing fruit in every good work. How will I know if I'm doing it? And increasing in the knowledge of God. That's how you know that Christ is first. And again, this bearing of fruit is your life is actually exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Your life is, 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 is codified or known by the fruit of the Spirit, peace, love, gentleness, self-control. 
patience, long-suffering. Is that what codifies your life? Are you known by that fruit in your life? Or are you known by, oh, yeah, there's Brother So-and-so. Man, don't get on his last nerve. Ooh, I'm going this way. Yeah, I'll see you later, man. That's the kind of stuff that happens in God's house, not this house, not this house. Right? Paul says, I'm praying that as you increase in the knowledge of God, what, what's going to happen here? I am going to be able to please the Lord. That is my heart's desire. Now, notice what he goes on. He prays something else for them in verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power. I love that. Watch this. According to his glorious might. Now, guys, please hear me. Some of us are in ditches in our lives. Some of us are just stressed out, anxiety off the charts, fear, all kinds of stuff. Because you're trying to live life in your own power. You can't do it. You can't do it. You have to be strengthened through Christ. Now watch it. Please watch it. Watch it. This does not happen automatically. This is what I'm learning. It, God just strengthened me. And then he just strengthens me. It happens through the means of prayer, God's word, fellowship of the saints. This is why whenever we're struggling with something, the first thing Satan wants you to do is leave the body. The first thing he wants you to do, don't, don't, don't leave the body. Uh, close that word. Don't read that word. Why? Because Satan knows the only way you're going to get divine strength, not human strength, divine strength to deal with whatever you're dealing with, it's through the word, it's through prayer, and the fellowship of God's people. I guarantee you, you remove those out of your life. You're going to be left with your circumstances and your strength to deal with them. And it'll take you out. Listen, guys, this is, this is so one-on-one. I know it is. But I think as God's people, we need to go back to one-on-one stuff. I, I, I think we, we, we've gotten, as Christians just in general, you know, so sophisticated. You know, yo, Ron, I got this new book. Man, this guy is deep. He's deep. You got to get it. I said, he's deep. What's so deep about it? Man, I, man just the stuff that he says is like, and then I read Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. What has been said has already been said. We're always looking for a new spin, something fresh, right? Why don't we go back to the basics of what God said? Increasing your knowledge of me. Spend time with me. I will give you the strength you need. Notice, he says that I will strengthen you according to his glorious might. Why? For what reason? Look at what he says. For all endurance and patience, and then through God's strength, he'll give you the attitude of joy. Anybody struggling with a lack of patience, a lack of endurance, lack of joy in your life? I guarantee you, if you're honest with yourself, go see if you're doing the first part of Paul's prayer. Are you increasing in the knowledge of his word? Are you spending time with him? His strength 
his endurance, his patience, an attitude of joy comes as we do these spiritual disciplines, folks. What if we really got serious about making Christ first in 2019? Notice as he goes on in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Paul says, as I'm praying this for you, I am also giving thanks to the Father. Why? Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So, Paul, you see his affection for these believers. I'm rejoicing because you get to serve in the same inheritance. Now, that would have rung true for a Jew. They understood inheritance. They understood the promised land. They understood chosen people. And Paul was now talking to the non-Jewish people saying, you are included because of Christ. And I'm thanking God for that. Brother and sister, you ever get excited when somebody comes to know the Lord? My goodness, if you don't, you better check and see if you know him. How can you not get excited? How about this? Just in the, what Paul is doing here. Paul hasn't seen these believers. Paul hasn't been at this church. But do you feel the affection Paul has for these believers? Do you see the way he's praying for them? Let me ask you guys. You know one another. You see one another week to week. How's your prayer life for one another? You have this kind of affection among this body? If we don't, something's wrong. If we don't, we're not. We, 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 we are becoming distracted and we are forgetting that we are all part of one body. And the only reason we're a part of that body is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If that don't get you excited. So even when you see that brother or that sister that might be a little difficult to deal with, joy ought to rise up in your heart. Hey, there's my sister in the Lord. Yo, man, don't go over there. Man, she's going to, no, no, that's my sister in the Lord. Let's go say hi. Come on. Right? But our, our, our focus has gotten off. Paul says that I'm rejoicing for you guys. And notice what he does now. I love what he does. He, in his letter, reminds them of who they are in Christ. Look at 13. Here's why Paul's rejoicing. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Did we forget that as believers? And transferred us to the kingdom of of his beloved son. Let's stop there for a minute. Did we forget that as a believer? I, I, I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how salvation is, is so much like a marriage. Which is, I think that's why God said, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. He gave himself, he gives the analogy of a marriage. Think about this. What happens? We get married. I see Monique. I spot her. I'm like, yo, talk to me, man. What's up? Yeah, she's single. Okay, all right, I'll do the rest. That's all I need to know. And then I avoid her for six months. Men, you know, right? You got to play it like that. She tell you, she come walking over. I said, excuse me, I got to run. Get my car. I said, I know she's like, wow, why did he leave? Right? The attraction, the love. The thrill of catching that person. And finally, the wedding day. Right? You finally realize you're on your way to hell. No, no. This is not marriage. This is, I flipped. Wait, I flipped. 
I, I, I'm, I'm giving a spiritual analogy now. Hold on. Wait. Hold on, honey. Stay with me. Stay with me. Hold on. <laughs> wow, that just, I flipped. That was a, now I'm on the spiritual. Stay with me. You realize you're on your way to hell spiritually, right? The love of the Father. Hearing his love, not that you loved me, but I loved you first and sent my son to die for you. And you come and you put faith in Christ for salvation, realizing you are now called. I like the way John says, you now have the right to be called the sons of God, children of God. Right? Man, what a love affair. Say, like, God, I love you. Thank you. Let me go back to the Schumann marriage. Five years in. Honey, how come we don't talk anymore? What is there to talk about? Oh, when we were dating, I mean, you talked to me till 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know, but honey, I wasn't working two jobs then. Here come all the excuses, right? Come back to the spiritual side. Hey, man, what's God been sharing with you in the word of God? Yeah, I got to get back in that word. I almost fell out of my chair one day in my office when I was talking to a young couple, and I said to the man, I said, tell me about your walk with the Lord. He looked at me. He said, I'll be honest with you, Pastor Ron. I haven't picked up my Bible in years. What happened to the love? What happened? It grows cold. What happened? We forgot. We forgot what Paul says in 13. That God has delivered you from the domain of darkness. And he transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. We forgot. So what happens? We become distracted. And we need stuff in this temporary life to fulfill us. Because we forgot what Christ has already done for us. If you're going to make Christ first... You got to go back and remind yourself what you were delivered from. Listen, Christ does not owe me anything. Yet he gave me everything. As we wrap up, look what he says in 14. In whom, here's what we need to remind ourselves. In whom we have, what's that word? Redemption. Brothers and sisters, is that enough for you? Is redemption enough? If God never heals you, if God never gives you the job promotion, if God never allows you to get the houses and the land and the car and the, the, whatever, you fill in the blank. Is being redeemed from your sins on your way to be with Christ for eternity, is it enough? And if it's not enough, then Christ is not first in your life. I don't know what 2019 is going to offer. But the believer, your year, please hear me, your year in years to follow if God keeps you alive on this earth should not be predicated upon how good the year went, whether or not you had a good year. Did you catch that? I am having a good year now because I've been redeemed. Amen? 
I am no longer the enemy of God. I'm a child of God. Well, what about all the persecution? What about all? Yes, yes, I'm going to have to go through that. Sickness and death. Yes, yes. But in the final analogy, look, we have redemption. And look at what he says at the end of 14, the forgiveness of sins. That's enough. Brothers and sisters, please don't make a new year resolution. Make a life resolution. Christ first. Come hell, come high water. I don't care what happens. God, I'm going to live my life in a way where you are preeminent, where people see you in my life so that I might have the opportunity to point them to you. And guess what? God, if that means I got to lay up in a bed of cancer or some kind of horrible disease or get laid off or whatever, whatever the circumstance is where I can exalt you to show others, so be it. You willing to pray that prayer? That'll let you know if you're serious about Christ being first. Amen? God, I thank you for Jesus Christ. God, we are so distracted, running after so many things in this temporary life, getting sidetracked when trials come in, and they will come in. God, you said in this world you will have trouble. Sickness, death. God, we live in a sin-cursed world. So, God, while we may pray for deliverance from it, may that not be the basis on our passion for you. May it not be based on our deliverance as to whether or not Christ is first in my life. God, may we be, as the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ, and if I die, it's my gain. But in all things that Christ might be preeminent, God, Help us to make this life resolution. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.